Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new special episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle and uh, Rochelle Newton and Drew Stinnett. Uh, and we have a special guest today, uh, Mr. Joe Stinnett, who, if that name sounds familiar, that's because he is my dad. And we are going to be talking a bit about, uh, we're going to sort of continue our talk on uh, ancestry and technology and sort of the trials and tribulations of uh tracking that history back and how technology can help us and where we need to help it because there are a lot of uh, uh, blind spots into history. Um, my dad, uh, I would call you him a career journalist or a career newspaper uh, person. Uh, he's worked in newspapers, I think all your life, right, dad? Has there ever been a time you didn't work in a newspaper besides like when you were uh, in high school? Uh no. <laughs> I mean, I had odd jobs in college, but that's it. Yeah. 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 And sort of in your free time since retirement, one like this is a really cool project that, I, that you've been working on is uh, you've been researching uh, history on uh, enslaved people from our hometown, Lynchburg, Virginia, who went to uh, Liberia after the Civil War. And I think that's like personally, that's like a super cool project. And it's something that many people, including myself, had no idea about, even as someone like who lived in Lynchburg half of my life. Uh, and why I wanted to bring you on here is because you had to do a lot of research, some of which like included going to the Library of Congress to look at old documents to get this data. And, you know, that's not something that everybody can do. So I was very curious to sort of bring you into this conversation and hear what your thoughts were around like, how can we as technology people make this easier for, you know, our current generation and future generations? Because we don't want to lose our history. Okay, well, I've got a uh, thank you, uh, Drew and uh, Rochelle, for having me. I appreciate being here. Um, <clears throat> and I have a quick answer to that question. Make all the databases searchable with a <sighs> keyword because there's a lot of stuff out there. I was just trying to find some stuff. The uh, old Lynchburg papers and papers all over the South are beginning to be uh, digitized and they are digitized. And some the Library of Virginia has put uh, maybe 50 years of the Lynchburg papers pre-Civil War online, most of them, but they're not uh, searchable. So it's basically a, uh, and I don't want to knock the Library of Virginia again. I mean, it's great that it's on there, but if you don't know the date of what you're looking for, it's really, it's just a glorified version of a microfilm machine. I mean, I don't have to go down to the library now to look through microfilm of old papers. I can do it on the computer, but all these did all these databases need to be digitized and linked to each other so that you can hop from one thing to the other. When I um, first started doing this, uh, I wanted to find out. I knew that um, you know this is a uh, Virginia is like unfortunately where slavery practically started and was codified and put into law. Uh, and so I wanted to try to find, like, was there a uh, Black person, a uh, enslaved person in Lynchburg who around here who came from Africa? Yeah. Uh, when I first started this research or early on in it, I wanted to see if I could um, 
trace someone around here back to Africa and how hard that would be. And I found somebody uh, by using um, multiple databases. I started out with a um, database that I believe it's uh, William and Murray University has of um, slave ads, uh, escaped slave ads from the 1800s. And they were in the Virginia Gazette, which is like, was pretty much the only newspaper back then that was in Williamsburg. So I found one <coughs> and that is searchable. So I looked for, I don't know, Lynchburg, New Glasgow, places around here, Amherst County. And I found a story of a um, black person who, a young man, like a teenager who was uh, escaped, um, and the ad mentioned, this was like in the 1780s, I think, the ad mentioned that he was just off this boat from Africa that had unloaded some slaves way up on the James River near Richmond. And so I knew that, so that way I had the name of the ship. It was a Yanamaru, I think, or Yanamaris. So then I went to, I found a database, there's a database of uh, slave ships that were with like thousands of ships in there and the captains and where they came from and all this. And it, it lists the voyages and where they started and where they uh, let them, you know, where the slaves were sold. So I found the slave ship and the exact voyage and it came from um, the Gambia area of uh, Africa, which was a major, I did not know this, I'd heard of the Gambia, but there was a big port kind of deep in Africa where the uh, captured slaves who'd been kidnapped by other Africans and all brought there to be sold to the British. This was a British ship. So they bought some people in Africa. They sailed down the river. They went across the Atlantic. They came to Virginia. They sold some slaves in Norfolk. And then they went up the James River to, I can't remember where it was, but up the river ways and sold some more slaves. And a guy from Amherst uh, County, which is near Lynchburg, went there and bought some of them, including this guy, this man, Charles, who later escaped. So I knew that. So then I went to another database of um, probably, I can't remember what this one was. It was probably like wills and things like that that had actual names of people. And I've also got, a, I may have not used technology because I've got an old book with all these lists of these white people's wills and so forth. Anyway, I found the owner. Um, and I know that the guy escaped. I don't know what happened to him. A person the same age as him with the same uh, name was still enslaved by this guy like 30 years later. So I'm not hmm. clear if that's his son or that was um, that was him. But it, all these databases, you have to look at each one and use a little hint from everything else. And as Rochelle said, as white people, mostly there's some you know, if you can get on the right thing, somebody, it's like a history of the saints or something. There's all this stuff about them and how wonderful they were and blah, blah, blah. But it's very difficult with, uh, with Black people, especially when the databases aren't, aren't searchable. So let me, let me give you a little bit of information. So many of the Black museums are owned by the Smithsonian. Many of them are. Not all, but many of them are. So the Smithsonian's database is searchable to a degree, but you have to have some details, right? So you need to know part of the person's name and a part of the year, at least to start your search. Right. 
um, the New York Times did a article, and I don't remember what year it was, but they did an article about this. Uh, let's see here. I do not wish to have it. They did this. I cannot see it because it keeps popping up for me to subscribe to the Times. But they did a study on, this is large DNA study, traces violent history of American slavery. And they did this article, and I think they did this article in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. But but what's really interesting uh, about all of that is like, so I want to read something to you and I'm going to try to see if I can get to my my notes on here. So I wrote these things down because some places in the museum, you could not take pictures. So it says one third of all kidnapped Africans who landed in South Carolina died within a year. So there's no history of that whatsoever. So this is from the Richmond Examiner, 1854. It's an article. It says, it is a hallucination to suppose that we are ever going to get rid of slavery or that that it will ever be desirable to do so. It is a thing that we cannot do without. It is righteous, it is profitable, and it is permanent, and it belongs to the Southern society as inherently, intricately, and durably as the white race itself. The Negro is here and here forever. He is our property and ours forever. He is never to be emancipated. He is to be kept at hard work and in rigor subjugation his entire days. That was in 1854. Yeah, it's uh, it's unbelievable. And they they I mean, it is believable, but it's just the, the more you read and learn about it, the the worse it it seem it's not worse but you know what i mean the more the more prevalent it was and around here in virginia they felt the same way after a man's pay after the war was over i've I've read a number of things that where the uh white people the wealthy white people will say well you know because we used to own slaves that means it's really hard for us not to own slaves and we need people working for us. And that's the way God intended it. And I mean, it was, it's, it's so sad. It's just hard to fathom that was going on. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, for the longest time, I was able to wrap my mind around slavery as simply an economic process. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, so when they right. tried indentured servitude, the white slaves would right. run away. And so they went and got these black people. You know, the thing that I find so hard to process is if you didn't consider them human and you considered them property, you never ta- treated your dog, your cow, your chicken, anything as badly as yeah. you treated black people. Exactly. But, but what's really, really fascinating about this work is that, so I, I think I told you this, Drew, I did my DNA. I did my DNA on ancestry. Let me see if I can tell you what it says about me, but I'm not black. I'm, well, let me tell you, I'm not hundred percent black. How about that? Uh, I am um, Nigerian and Senegal are the principal two bloods that run through my body. But believe it or not, I am Irish, German. Let me see, let me just, uh, I just tell you if I can tell you exactly what it is. I don't remember all the pieces, but uh, the thing that was really so uh, amazing about finding myself, and the thing about this is important to say too about the the ancestry or the DNA sites. 
they only contain data for dead people. And that's how, you know, like the police use it to find your relatives. It's because they only can use dead people. It does not allow them to use, uh, uh, you know, people that are still alive. So I'm going to just tell you my, my DNA results. So I was able to bring them up. So, uh, uh, so let me see here. So if I can show you this, uh, if I can show you all these things that pop up. Can you see that? Is that too blurry? Can you not it's see? It's too much. It's too much glare yeah. for me to see it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm 25% Nigerian. Right. I'm 20% Cameroon. Right. I'm 11% Benin and Tongo. Interesting. I am 11% Irish. I am 9% Mali. I am 6% Ghana. 4% Sen Senegal. 4% Norway, 4% Northwestern Europe. I'm 2% North African. I am 2% Native American. I am 1% Wales and 1% Scotland. Holy cow. So, so what I would ask is, so there's, there's other regions, they don't show you all the regions, so yeah. I don't see every, but what I ask, and I'll ask anybody white that does this to see if black people show up and see if African things show up in your ancestry because it's hard to believe that 21st century 21st century american any race other than maybe someone who's recently come here someone from haiti that are pure anything you know and i grew up hearing that uh, the races were already diluted you know as a child you know and so one of the reasons why i want to keep racial interracial marriage separate because they wanted to eliminate the amount of diversity in the races, right? So because if you remember this, and your father may remember this better than Drew, that over time, white people, black people started passing as white, right? So they were so fair-skinned and their hair of right oh, texture yeah. that they could pass as white. So they were re-entering re the society as an African that has become white. Right. So as you look at his generations, his children, the people that come behind him, so they show up mostly as white. But, you know, if you look deep enough in it, you'll see the African's uh, ancestry of that person. So how do you find that out? You know, and so I have my ancestry account and I found all most of my dead relatives. You know, I like right. I said, I go back to my great grandmother. I found them. I can't go back any further. And the right. most relevant information talking about searching is the 1840s census has the most relevant, in other words, the count of people here. If you go back and look at the 1900 census or the 1860 census, it only shows white people and the things that they own. So it would list uh, four or five slaves or four or five black people right. that they own. And even that, so if, let's just say they own somebody named Nellie. Then they own Nellie and all of her children, everybody in her lineage. And they didn't list Nellie, what they listed as a black mother and X number of children. Right. Do you know, um, trying to think, would, you know, one, one way I've tried to get around that some in researching people, and some you've probably already thought of this, sometimes it worked, sometimes it it doesn't is to go to the 1860 census. I was just looking at it today and search on your ancestor's last name among the white people, because a lot of times, as you know, I'm sure they they took the uh, or were given the white people's 
last name and then try to match the age up, but you can't really, you know, even that is not true, because not it's true, but it you can't totally rely on it because the enslaved people could have been sold, you know, it a lot of things could have happened. So I I know it's tough. It's it's you know nearly impossible. I'm trying to now find out <clears throat> this the main guy in my book, uh Mac Knuckles. Uh, was an enslaved person in Lynchburg. He was supposedly the most valuable enslaved person in Lynchburg because he was so talented. And, you know, it's like he just sprang into existence overnight in the 1860s. There's one reference to him being the most, uh, before the war, he was uh, sold and it was the highest price anyone had ever paid for a local enslaved person. But I cannot find anything. I've got kind of a hint of who I think uh, he may have belonged to, but I would love to find out, okay, so where did he come from? He was, you know, 45 in 1865, and so what, was he born here? Did, what, did he come somewhere else? Who was his family? Who were his parents? It's really, yeah, as you say, it's it's almost difficult. It's almost impossible because they never recorded that stuff, the white people didn't, to start out with because they didn't care. Right. So I'll, I'll give you another example. So my father's name is Robert Frampton Newton. He was in the Air Force for one year. He was a uh -huh. private first class. His father is listed as Frampton Newton in the 1940 census. In the 1860 census, his name was Trump Newton. Because the other part of that is the census takers did not really care to correct the right name for Black people, right? So, and you go back to the 1820 census, his name is Trump. I'm sorry, T-Rump, T-E-R-U-M-P-E is Trump uh -huh. in the 1840 census. No, he's he's Frampton in the 18, 1840 census. He's T-Rump, T-E-R-U-M-P in the 1860s, in the 1840s, 1740s, he is not 1740s, I've gone back to Paul. So, but, but the next census, he is right. Trump. Each census, though, until the 1840s, show him as a white man. Every and it showed my, my grandmother and all of her children as his property is listed as property, and they list each person there. And the then 18th, he's like apparently enslaved at some point after that. No, I mean, so what the oh, 18th, he's free. Okay, so that's why he's listed in the census. Okay, gotcha. As a white man. Okay. And so uh, now this is my grandfather that I'm okay. talking about. So, okay. and this, and his wife was Elizabeth. And then they had 16 children. All the wife and the children are listed as his property. In the 1840 mm -hmm. census, he's listed as Native American and white. So he's listed as that. How they know that? I have no idea. They, they could have just made that up. Right. That's what I was thinking too. Now, all now going up over France and my grandfather. Everybody above him is white, and I know their names. Like I know everybody's names they can find. Right, white, but there's nothing to show. So my my relatives are all from South Carolina, like close to Charleston, Buford, uh, Edisto in that uh -huh. area. So that's where they are from. So the area is right, the location is right. You know everything that I can find suggests it's right. The problem is I can't find it consistently enough to go ask somebody, "Is this correct?" So one of the things my husband and I are planning to do is take a trip down there to South Carolina, to Hampton County, so we can look 
and see what the records show. But we have not been able to. So one of the reasons why so Drew comes say hello to us. Ever comes say hello to Drew and uh, his father. This is uh, Drew's protege here, Everett. Hey, Everett. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. I just wanted him to say hey to Drew. I t- what I tell you, whatever you get. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but what's really interesting about finding that information, so I can go search for it, is finding consistent consistent information that's the same right. every time you check because you know right. as a parent, exactly in order for it to be true it you could be you should be able to right. check it over and over right. again yeah no so yeah I, you know one of the reasons why i asked you you know could we find a way to scrape newspapers so another thing to think about so you are familiar with emmett till yes the little boy mm-hmm. who most, yeah. right so the only reason that information came to light one was because his mother was able to get that but they were also re- newspaper reports of it, right? So there was reports of the people who, who supposedly did it, the white woman who said that he whistled at her, you know, all of that's documented right. somewhere. And you could get that consistently. You know, so his his process, at least his history of his violence, is able to be able easily to be traced for other things like that. It's not. And so is there a way to go like this Richmond Examiner newspaper article? Like is there a way to go scrape these newspapers if you know keywords right so scraping for slavery scraping for you know certain towns and and i told you this we went to the lynching museum and it's really amazing i don't know if you you couldn't see my picture but i'll send you the picture there is a picture in here in the lynching museum of these hanging metal and i don't even know what to call them but they're 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 like metal and they're rust color um I see if I can show you one here. I think I've seen that's hanging from the ceiling to represent each person who was lynched. Each county that lynched somebody. Oh, each county. Okay. All right. So um, I'm gonna send this picture to Drew, and you can see this and get a sense for what I'm talking about. Okay. Where's Drew at? There's Drew Stennett. So I just sent it to you, Drew. You should have it now. Awesome. Um, uh, I sent you your phone. Uh, I sent you iMessage. But but you can see these things, and maybe if you can bring them up, Drew, you can share them on your screen. But these yeah. things, and so we took pictures of them for our counties where we knew we were we were raised or where right. we grew up, where we were right. born. And so right. we checked. There are very few. So my husband's a Brown and I'm a Newton. And so there are very few that actually said that. But then again, we can't track the lineage of, of, of those names, right? So we, we can guess those are names from our owners, people who owned us. Right. But how does it how does it stay all the way down? And how do you take get to the other side and the only other thing i'll say is you remember thomas jefferson and sally henson right so they had to do the dna test to prove that she was his child right i yeah they they did and some people still don't believe it even though that was widely reported in newspapers back then and books and everything else i mean everybody everybody in 18 whenever three or whatever believed it, uh, black and white, including all the people in Charlottesville knew about it and talked about it. But that was, I think now we're getting into, I, I, I sympathize with you. We're also getting into the purposeful cover up of all this stuff by the white people, especially after the civil war, because they wanted to, they were trying to get the whole lost cause movement going and just say, oh, slavery was great. You know, we're not, no, it was all good. We didn't have a war because of slavery, states' rights, all this, you know, just junk that wasn't true is, is, and I think a lot of stuff was 
erased or not documented because of that. Back to your other question about how you could find out in scraping newspaper databases, it really just depends on the database. The Library of Congress does have a, uh, a good site with uh, newspapers. It's called, I'm trying to remember, it's called Chronicling America or something. You can find it on the Library of Congress and all the papers they have digitized are searchable by keywords. Um, I don't think any of the Richmond papers, you mentioned the Richmond Examiner, I, a lot of that's online. I'm not sure if any of it is searchable. Some of those are in the Library of Virginia database and aren't searchable. Sometimes you can go, you know, you could physically go to the library and they have a better search mechanism or you could look for in your specific case, I'm not really sure who, but if you knew a name of a white person that was somehow connected with them, owned them, something, you can also use a lot of university databases. Even if you can't get the actual document, sometimes, as y'all know better than me, they have a very complete listing of their holdings that you can find stuff from. And, and finally, my, or maybe not finally, I don't know what time it is, but one of the favorite places, and you might want to try to investigate this, um, is the Hathi Trust. It's H-A-T-H-I Trust. And they have digitized a billion, possibly literally, old books and pamphlets and flyers and essays and almost everything. I don't think they have newspapers. And if you went to that now and, um, you know, you could just type in those two last names in South Carolina, something might come up, you know, you don't know. And that site is like a, I think would be a model for other sites for use of technology because it's very, it's very searchable. It's very easy to navigate. It's, it's really well, it's really well set up, but I'd say that's the exception among among these things. And that you know, the more local you get, the more worse they get. That just you know, they might they've got the stuff, but it's really hard to find anything. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.